Welcome to Upholding Matters, a podcast devoted to talking about what matters. Now, I was raised to believe that life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness were things that mattered. And certainly they are the unalienable rights that Jefferson wrote about in the Declaration of Independence. We will talk about how to uphold them, how they hold us up, and why that matters. Welcome to Upholding Matters. I'm your host, David Paul. Tonight is pretty special. It's the beginning of our second season. Today is the drop of the Mueller report, and we've had a two-week hiatus, and we're bringing this back for our 420 tradition of beginning the new year. So, it was great to have a couple of weeks off. There was a lot of activity, and there's been a little bit of a cold or flu. I don't know what you call it, because when I was a kid, if you had the flu, you threw up, and it was just a usually pretty quick affair. And colds, you sniffled and all that, but fever, both maybe fever. But this affliction that my whole family has got is a lingering thing that there's no throwing up, but boy, are you beat down, you can't breathe. Everybody has different symptoms, and it does just kick your ass. So that's where we're at. We're coming out of a break. We're celebrating the Mueller Report, a new year, our 420 special. I'm going to talk about my friend John, born on 420. And I often wonder what John would think about the state of current affairs. A lot of my friends that are Vietnam veterans, they fought in Vietnam. And, you know, most of them are for Trump, including guys my age that were in the military later or some other circumstance. But uh, I don't think John would be for Trump. He was a much more free-thinking individual. That's not a put-down, but you have to examine the facts. And this is the neat part about today, because when I last left us in the previous season, we were just getting the... Mueller report released to the Attorney General. Now it's taken this two and a half, three weeks to get the full thing out, and there's redactions. Uh, They're mostly open cases and other things, but what's been put out today is astounding. Ten times that they could point to that he tried to obstruct justice, all the people that worked for him that just refused to do what he wanted when he made ridiculous requests, intelligence professionals that were offended to the core when he asked them to use their power and authority to help him cover up his dealings, let's be generous, dealings. And other than the other uh, investigations, this whole inquiry was supposed to be into the Russian meddling in our election. And it's firm now that they did. It's firm now that the campaign coordinated. You don't have to split hairs with colluded. It's conspiracy. And they couldn't get to the truth. And it's 
there's so much there really that Congress can either follow up or Americans can be so incensed that he's beaten at the polls and this, you know, two years or whatever it is, it's not forever, but I want the best for everyone. I want everyone to be able to come together for the sake of the country. These are crazy times, and some people are going to believe one side, and some are going to believe the other. And we just can't demonize them. I just keep trying to love my friends that I feel bad, because if they really knew the full extent to which I believe, John Brennan and all these other intelligence professionals and anyone that knows anything, that this has been bad from the start... And what it actually means, the level of, well, there was incidents where, you know, people just refused to carry out his orders and crazy rants. And it's, it's scary stuff. It's, uh, it's far from over, but we had to wait. So between show 50 and 51, it seems like, you know, there's a week, but it's three. And in that time, we've waited, 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 waited for the Mueller report to finally be released. And it's pretty amazing. It's not surprising. I guess it is, you know, some of the new things and seeing the line where uh, Robert Mueller, and this is when the bar quoted in his first summary of four pages, was just half of the sentence and Seeing the other half of the full sentence is pretty remarkable. So it's uh, it's an ongoing process, and trying to keep my head up because this sickness added to every other thing that's going on. My own personal stress, my concern for the world. I mean, being sick doesn't make it any easier, and my family is going through it at different times, so everyone's taking a turn being totally under the weather. And it's a different, when I went through it, it's, it's head clogged up, you feel like you're in the clouds. It's like a different state of consciousness almost, and I have trouble keeping my balance generally. And with that, it's, uh, I just, you know, can you imagine a day when human beings, well, I imagine there are people that don't get sick, but I go to a few meetings and invariably you got someone sitting there hacking on you and what can you do? You just do your best to pretend that You'll protect yourself with the magical aura. And I think some of that might work. Positive attitude, whatever, to fight disease or viruses or bacteria, whatever's floating around, all of the above. And I think just generally having a strong immune system is probably pretty good. Oh, by the way, one of the things that I've done over this break is pop in and almost complete 
watching the John Adams miniseries. I hope some of you have seen that. It's an HBO thing from a few years ago. Paul Giamani. And um, it's, it's incredible because part of the thing is, well, John Adams was uh, an interesting historical figure. And his wife also played a huge role, Abigail, and their family. And while he was away, Abigail was confronted with the fact, and this is where I learned something or should have known, but, you know, even during the revolution there, smallpox was a thing and people were coming down with it and killed a lot of people at Valley Forge and it wasn't just the cold of the winter. And you think, my God, smallpox, huh? But Abigail Adams in this movie has to experiment with early vaccination because she doesn't, she thinks she understands the promise of it and doesn't want her children to get the disease and be unprotected and just die. But uh, I don't see any difference in the movie between actually just contacting it on your own and the way they cut you and put the scab of an old pox person into you. And then, of course, everybody did get a, a little bit, and they all lived. So it was a happy ending, but it just, you don't think about the revolution. And smallpox is something that we also faced as a new nation and have to make those devastating decisions. It's, it's, uh, it's an amazing show. And politics has been dirty forever. And I'm going to tell you other great stuff at the break, after the break. But for now, the Mueller report is in. The connection has been made between season one and season two because they docked together nicely. I didn't have to say that week after week, we still don't know, we still don't know. That was rough. We're on the mend. We're going to build a better world. And we're going to keep America the place for hope that it's always been to the world. Welcome back to Upholding Matters. I continue to be fascinated and, by the way, happy 420, happy second season, happy 51st show. And we had a break. I did a show for 50 weeks, and that's a pretty good production schedule, 50 out of 52 weeks a year. Um, You know, you want to do more, but who wants to listen to me that much? So, here we go. Happy birthday, John, my friend John, the Vietnam veteran who sacrificed so much for this country. His birthday was 420. He did love the weed, and he uh, hated that day because it was Hitler's birthday. So that's the background on John. I miss my friend. So it's been a crazy period. The Mueller report landed, and today is like 
the second day and there's more revelations and people have had more time to read it over. And I love the commentary, uh, the Justice Department people, the other experts that, you know, the reporters, my goodness, what an admirable profession. And of course, my love for Clark Kent and all things Superman and Perry White and the editor. And, you know, they're all reporters. And uh, it turns out that a lot of the fake news wasn't fake. There is so much in that report that, well, even Trump, you know, for the two weeks in between when Barr gave him his cover letter as our attorney general, and he wrote the summary that Trump was running around going complete total, total exoneration, no collusion, no conspiracy. Of course, that's not at all what's in the report. So now Trump is saying that the whole report is just nuts because people drill down into it and find things. And there are some really neat connections to what's going on with the future and what Mueller, you know, it's um, hidden in plain sight, in other words, clues. And one guy figured out from these 12 indictments that are blacked out because they're future trials and grand juries and redacted because of that. They're alphabetical, so the one, two names that you can't see, you can figure out who's in between those names alphabetically. And so everybody's trying to find clues, you know, find some clues about what the heck is in there? And there's just so much that lends to really disturbing conclusions. But you know what? I, I've, I've come to, and we're going to get onto local stuff that's kind of fun. So, and we're not done by any stretch with the Mueller report. But this is what I've come to. As long as. Donald Trump cannot totally destroy the world. You know, the reputational damage, the alliances, the spine that's probably already gone on, the lack of willingness to protect our next election. All, all these things, they're, they're great harm. But if, you know, if we can prevent Trump from destroying the world, like nuclear war or something that's, irrevocably catastrophic. Then we can just ride this out, vote him out, and get on with making the world a better place. I had someone post on my timeline, a young girl, she's like 12 or something, she's giving a speech on climate change and she wants people to start to panic. So, yeah politically, economically, environmentally. We're at the panic stage. So I stress to us all, let's just uphold matters, let's uphold each other, and let's uphold the United States of America. So with regard to that, I attended a healthy commission meeting a few weeks ago and I also went for a screening of a movie about homelessness. 
And it was a pretty interesting time. I love all my friends from these agencies that are trying to make a difference. And out of that, it was kind of cool because they took a picture afterwards holding the sign that goes with it. And that picture somehow made it onto the front page of the paper a few days later in the Sunday paper, which is pretty neat. You know, when you make the above-the-fold Sunday paper in color, that's a pretty good time. And then my boys, I was so proud of them because this is all them. But we got them involved in a robot competition and it's funded by NASA and, you know, it's a space weekend and it's to build engineers and system designers and all this stuff for the future. And it's a competition. So we're in a big, huge gymnasium here on the east side of Lancaster. And they have this tremendous competition. And all these schools come from all over. And what a bunch of well-behaved kids. I mean, you know, and they're, they're high school teenagers, so I can call them kids. they probably not 1% old enough to actually vote or any other things. So I'm sorry if you, you know, young people, I didn't want to be thought of like that, but I guess I'm a geezer now and, you know, if you're a kid, you're a kid and that's a good thing. I mean, my goodness, it's a good thing because they made me proud and my kids got to watch it and that was a, a great value to me and it got them interested and there's stuff going on right now with them offshoots and, you know, follow-ons, and it's just, it's great stuff. Danita Wynn, thank you so much for the opportunity to let my boys volunteer to be part of that amazing weekend. So, and then, now, we went to a criminal justice meeting and coffee with the deputy, and uh, at the criminal justice meeting, I was able to give our Bud Lee DeRico a little dig because he's the new chief. You know, the mayor wants him to be the chief. and They hired consultants for $150,000 to figure out how they can form two police departments and still have the sheriff's deputies patrol our $26 million contract that they're short of fulfilling. And we also have a simultaneous other police department. I That still isn't going to work. I got to talk to the consultant, but... That was a week later. And now finally, the, the Lee DeRico thing. He's a great guy. And I told him he'd understand because that uh, highwayman was on with Kevin Costner. I was watching it. And it was pretty cool. They were hunting for Bonnie and Clyde. And basically, Kevin Costner was an old washed-up lawman who, good reputation, but just old. So they put him on it. And they got Bonnie and Clyde. I mean, that's not a spoiler, I hope. But, um, you know, that's what we have. They can't get people for the sheriff's department. They can't, you know, the shortage of new police officers is a national problem. So they have to go to the retirees and their old washed up lawmen. And that's a good thing because they have all that experience and, you know, they're not going to be in any foot races, but that's not what policing is about. And there's a whole trend towards changing that, which is 
just just uh, good stuff. I'm going to have to, you know, dedicate a show or something to just that alone. So I have um, a friend helping me with some not-for-profit work. And Denise Latanzi, she was a one-time political rival and, and now a friend. And that's how life goes. Uh, we have to work together. We have to hold each other up and... I think maybe, well, I'm just joking because Denise and I had ignited a bond of friendship long before that, but I joined the Democrats just so I could get some political traction if I would ever run for mayor again. So, you know, and that doesn't hurt her. She's a Democrat, so here you go. I went to some Mental Health America training about uh, mental first aid. And it was about uh, people experiencing depression and all these other things, but it didn't really deal with the um, Asperger's and the um, other things that, you know, the autisms that people can suffer from and have police not understand their behavior through. So, uh, it goes on and on, doesn't it? We had a little under the weather spell, and of course, uh, my boy going to get a driver's license to the library had some stuff, uh, you know, get together, and they would everybody could take a driver test. So that was pretty neat getting out. And then of course, I did see Katie Hill at a uh, meeting, and that was kind of fun our new congressman and uh, congressperson. And then uh, we had the two homeless meetings, the county one, which, oh, I was frustrated. I was very frustrated because they're not doing anything. We're one of eight spas that's a service provider area. And if everybody in these other spas is having as much trouble as we are, getting even a charter for a commission that's supposed to help oversee and regulate the $10 billion of Measure H money. My goodness. And so I was very frustrated. But then at our city homeless meeting, I mean, a young woman stood up and there was presentations about people who've been in mental hospitals getting help and people who've been veterans and jail release and but no one for this young woman who's just a single mother with a you know bad situation and nowhere to go and a baby to take care of and what do you do that's this frightening stuff that's frightening ground so i want the homeless stuff to really help people and she I think got some help that day because our Valley Oasis was there. My friend Nick Matthews and, and my friend Hector Acosta, Lieutenant Acosta, he's with the Salvation Army. And I had a wonderful time with this man. Uh, he um, is a man of God. You know, he, he lives to serve and uh, he's talking about a triangle that one of the founders of the Salvation Army came up with. And it's basically... Uh, you got your soup, you got your soap, and you got your salvation. And so soup and soap, we get that. You got to eat if you're hungry. Uh, 
got to be clean and have your dignity with the soap. But salvation is just awareness. It's enlightenment. It's self-empowerment. And Hector realizes that in a way that really touched me because you don't have to believe in a religion. You just have to believe in yourself. And we uphold ourselves and we uphold each other. And happy 420. We're going to make this year a great year. And I hope that you're all having a great time reading the Mueller Report. Mm-hmm.